Thank you, guys. Michael and Tracy are going to sing one last song for us later on, so we'll get to hear from them again. Wasn't that great? That was great, guys. Thank you. So let me ask you, how is your Christmas going? Going well? Some of you guys stressed out? Tell the truth. No? All right. I am proud of you. Wish I could say that. Uh, you know, it, it is so easy at this time to lose focus of the opportunity that we have to do just like we saw in that video, to actually give of ourselves to our family, to our friends, to engage ourselves in loving those who are closest to us and not getting up caught up in buying all the people gifts, but actually even like we've made available to to buy a card that is actually going to go towards Haiti and let people know this is what we're doing and being a part of the story instead of letting the story pass us by. And so for the rest of this month, we're going to continue taking the offerings. If you write on the offering letter or on the check Advent, the money will be going towards Haiti or towards the pastors down in Vizcaino, feeding them and caring for them in the pastors' conference down there. Um, Again, those bags are available. I think there are still a few available if you want to take those and just be a part of what is supposed to be great news. And don't let that pass you by because it's easy for those things to pass us by. If you have your copy of the scriptures, turn to Matthew chapter 2, not 12. I just noticed that. (laughs) Chapter 2. We're going to start at verse 1. And if you need a copy of the scriptures, raise your hand and they'll get you one. We're going to go ahead and get started. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they heard the king, they went on their way. And the star that they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, 
frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. I love these gospel stories. I I love the birth of Jesus because there are so many things that are not like we would expect. And I know most of you have grown up and had a manger somewhere or a creche. I never knew they were called creches until I saw a Davy and Goliath video when my kids are small. Oh, that's what a creche is. I don't know why they're called a creche. Does anyone know? Is it like German or something? Anyway, (laughs) I don't care. Uh, and, And so we've all grown up and you've seen them from the precious moments, little ones. We even got one from Haiti that's made out of metal and the, you know, there's always the baby Jesus and Mary and Joseph. And if you get a, you know, Upgrade, you get one that has the shepherds, and then even better still, it'll have some sheep, and then the premium ones come with angels, you know, and the the three wise men, and they're all there in this collective thing, and it's this, oh, there it is, the manger. And, you know, not to burst our bubbles, but the Magi weren't there at the beginning. They were there probably a couple of years later, I know, you might feel disappointed right now, kind of like when we found out that Pluto wasn't really a planet. It was like, wait, my whole solar system things that I built out of styrofoam are wrong, you know. I spent more work than I needed to. But, you know, when they got there isn't as important as the fact that they did get there. And what's even more astonishing is who they were and how they got there. I mean, they were probably astrologers. They were obviously pagan. They didn't have the Hebrew scriptures, but God still gave them a sign in their language that drew them to the place where God entered humanity that God was able to take them right where they were and bring them to where he was. And that's so comforting for me, and that's so amazing, and you can't get around that. And Matthew, throughout his gospel, is showing us how far the hand of God reaches. Even through his genealogy, he he doesn't list some of the people we would expect him to list. Of the women, he doesn't list Abraham's wife, but he does list Rahab, who was not of the lineage, who was also a prostitute. And he does it on purpose. He's showing us how far God's hand reaches. And here we see these people, Magi, coming from the east, wanting to find out who this king is, trying to find out who the Messiah is, and he's reaching them in a way that they can understand. Now, a lot of you have grown up in church. 
You've gone to Sunday school. You, you've known the Bible stories. You've heard them from when you were kids, and then when you go to church, you hear them again. And so the scriptures are a part of your narrative. And that is an incredible gift. That's just a rich treasure that you have, a revelation of God given. But there are people all over the world who don't have that, who don't own the scriptures or know what they say, who don't know this Christmas story. But God is still able to speak to them and to bring them to a place where he can give a more full revelation of who he is. You see, these magi were desiring to know. And Jesus said, if you seek, you will find. And so anyone who has a heart that desires to know, desires to to seek after God, God is already seeking after them and is already reaching for them. And he was able to lead them in a way that was clear to them, even though it seems strange to us. And you see, we, we limit God so much. God is so much bigger and so much more inclusive than we are. And it's amazing how he does that. I remember when I was teaching a high school group at a church back in Alhambra years ago. And we met at the Seventh-day Adventist church because they didn't use it on Sunday, so it was open for us. And I remember we'd have the group and it was upstairs where I would meet and I had about 20 high schoolers in our group. And this one young man from Vietnam came and he was probably 15 and his name was Kwok and he started coming and then I started talking to him and he was first generation. His parents and he moved to the States and I started talking to him and he said, I would like to be a follower of Christ. I'd like to become a Christian. I, I prayed with him and I started talking to him. And I asked, well, where are your parents? And he goes, oh, they're at home. I go, well, don't your parents come here? And he goes, no, they don't. And I go, oh, okay, well, how did you, why did you start coming here? He said, I would go by on my bicycle and when I would see this place, I felt like I need to find God. And so I thought I would come here. And when I saw the cars, one day I just came. When I saw the cars coming, and I went, and here I am. Something inside Kwok just wanted to be there. Wanted to find out more. And when he heard the message, it was a fit. And he said, yeah, this is what I want. And I got to tell you, he was more committed and had greater character than most of the kids who grew up in church. Now, any of you who've been high school leaders, you know what I'm talking about. Okay, some of those kids, pastor's kids especially. (laughs) Grow up knowing the story, but taking it lightly, and then someone who's never heard the story hears it for the first time, and it just quickens their soul. 
It just brings life to them. It engages them. And God is always reaching out. And so these magi from a distant place come and then they encounter King Herod. Now, King Herod knew the Jewish traditions. Again, in verse 1, it says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and came to worship him. We don't know much, but we know it's supposed to be here. Who is this king? We've come to worship him. God has revealed that much to us. And when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people, chief priests, teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem of Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet was saying. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. What's interesting to me in this passage is that these magi, these foreigners, come and don't know, and Herod, who has the information, finds out more. And actually, the person who knows more information is actually farther from the truth than those who don't have the information but have the heart to learn. The one who had the scriptures, the one who now knew what the scriptures said, had other motives and was further from the truth and recognition of who Jesus was than these strangers. It's so amazing that God sometimes can be at work doing something. And when God enters in to humanity, it caused this rippling effect that affected the whole world. That's why these foreigners were here, because it had an effect on them. But Herod, who was close, was oblivious. I think sometimes, what was it like when Mary and Joseph were in the stable because there was no room in the inn? And right there outside the window in the stable, God was doing something amazing, but the world didn't even know it. They didn't recognize it. And then the baby starts crying. I know that song that says, you know, no crying he makes. That's just not true. Can I get an amen from all you new parents out there? (laughs) And I can imagine someone in the inn hearing this baby crying and just closing the shutters to stop the noise and being totally oblivious that God is now with us and is right there. And shepherds had the revelation and came. But they were there and they closed the window. And I think that's so much the case or can be with us. Where God can be so close. But if we don't want to hear, 
We can be deaf to his voice. We can be blind to his hand at work. We can be numb to the things that God is doing. And it's not because he's distant. It's because of where we are. Because even at a distance, those who were far away could hear and would return and would come. And there's such a difference between the Magi and Herod. And we see it in verse 7. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. Now, he uses the same terminology, but he doesn't mean the same thing. You're going to worship him? I'm going to worship him. It's not the same. And it's amazing how you can have the same language or pretend to have the same language and mean totally different things. And you see, what happened with Herod is he was afraid that a king was going to take what he had. God is now among us and moving, and God is creating this whole new future. The the ripples are going out, and God is moving. But Herod doesn't want to move with God because he wants to hold on to the past. He wants to hold on to what he has. But it's not going to stop God from moving. And and I wonder if many times with us, God is at work and he's moving and the ripples are taking place and he is changing lives and he is reaching out to people, but we are afraid of what it's going to do to us. It, It threatens our way of life. It threatens who we are, the things that we have, and we like those things. And so we would rather hold on to the past than be a part of what God is doing. And we can say we worship. And that idea of worship has so many different meanings. To some people it means, I'm in trouble, God, can you please help? And I've been there. I bet you have too. Something happens, some catastrophe, some bill that you weren't expecting, car breaks down, a sickness, whatever it is, and oh God, I need your help. I'm crying out to you now. Sometimes we negotiate with God. I remember one time when I was working at a church, a young man came in to talk, and I was the one who was talking with him, and he was telling me the things that he wanted prayer for. And then he made sure, he told me, I'm going to put $100 in the offering, and I want you to pray for me. And I, I got the sense from him that you know, the $100 was going to help pay for the answer. And I felt inclined to tell him, you know, appreciate you giving the money, but the money isn't necessary for prayer, and it doesn't make God say, oh, okay, yeah, you got it, buddy. (laughs) But sometimes we try and negotiate with God. Well, God, I'll give you this if I'll give you that, if you give me this. 
And our worship of God is reciprocal. I'll, I'll, it's kind of, I want to see what I'm going to get. It's still about me. And then there is a worship that is a surrender, that is giving all that I am and all that I have to God. You see, the Magi were coming to give of themselves. Herod was wanting to hold on to what he had. And I wonder, who are we? What is my idea of this worship? Am I like the Magi or am I like Herod? There's a a very popular verse in Jeremiah 29.11. I know the thoughts I have towards you, says the Lord. Plans to give you a hope and a future. And you see, I, I think sometimes that we think, oh, God's going to give us hope and then he's going to give us a future. But I, I think that what God is really helping us to, or wanting us to understand is he is the hope. He is the future. And when he comes in and that stone splashes into the pool of humanity and the ripples start going and start moving... That is the future we need to move with. And if we don't go there, guess what? There goes our future. And you will hold on to the past, but God will keep moving. But we're afraid. Change is uncomfortable. Surrender is uncomfortable relinquishing the rights to myself. I, I don't like that. To, to see God working and wanting to be a part of that work and wanting to leave the things that I'm holding on to behind, it's difficult. And, and sometimes we don't really see those things clearly. We kind of are blinded to what is happening because we are so focused on what we already want. We do this all the time. I do it when I read. You know, if I change translations in scripture, but I'm used to reading an older one, and all of a sudden I start reading, I just kind of automatically put it in autopilot and start reading what I know it's supposed to say, even though it's not what's written there. You guys ever done that where you read something? I want to do something with you guys. I hope this will be fun. I'm going to put something up on the board. I'm going to give you a couple of seconds to read it. Then I'm going to take it off. Then I'm going to find out what it says. Okay? Here you go. A couple seconds. Read it. How many saw a bird in the hand and Paris in spring? How many of you saw something else? Ooh. Okay. Now, your minds are probably thinking something. Hopefully. (laughs) That's the hope, anyway. Okay, I'm going to put it up there again. Give you a couple more seconds. Look at it again. Here we go. How many saw a bird in the hand and Paris in the spring? How many saw something else? A few more. Interesting. Interesting. 
the plot thickens. Let's try this again. Here we go. How many see a bird in the hand in Paris in the spring? Raise your hand. How many see something else? The tide is shifting. One more time. Now this is fun because some of you are freaking out. (laughs) So I'm like, what the heck? Here we go. Okay. How many see a bird in the hand in Paris in the spring? How many of you see something else? Okay. One of you who is adamant that they see a bird in the hand in Paris in the spring, would you do... Would you stand up for me? Who's the brave soul? Oh, look at it. Okay, Mitch, man, all you brave souls. Okay, I want you guys, go ahead, stand up, because we're going to laugh. Um, I want you to read this out loud for me, okay? Read it out loud. Well, uh, Each word. Uh, the, the spring. Ah, a bird in the the hand in Paris in the the spring. It's always said that. I didn't just switch it on you guys. But what happened is you had in your mind what it was supposed to say, and so that was what you believed. Some of us are like Herod and we believe that a life in God is going to be less of a life than what we really have. And the way we read this is the way we already feel and we think. And so when God starts moving, we don't see what God is doing. We see what we want to hold on to. And we're blind to what is actually taking place. And you wonder, well, how can you believe this story? How can you believe in this thing about Jesus? I mean, that God would become a baby. Are you serious? You believe that? I mean, we're intellectual people. This is the 21st century. What's wrong with you? And you see a bird in the hand and Paris in the spring but the hand of God is at work and you're not seeing it because of where you're at. The Magi saw it, came and worshipped. Herod wouldn't see it and didn't want to lose what he had. Here's how you can tell where you're at. Are you like the Magi who come and give? Or are you like Herod, who just wants to receive? You see, the spirit of Jesus is generous. It gives of time, it gives of self. It gives of what one has. That's worship. The spirit that Herod had was wanting to receive. It was all about him. That's how you can tell where you are. Is it about you? 
or are you generous with your life to give it away? Jesus made it real clear, whoever seeks his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And so we have the opportunity to be generous and be like the Magi. And this isn't about money. But this is a time where we are making this Advent season about giving. And I'm not afraid, you know, I never talk about giving. We don't even pass an offering. But I'm not afraid or ashamed here because none of this money comes to me or even to us. It goes to those in need. The finances is just one way that we give. Your time, your love, your care for others is another way that you give. Just like my daughter when she wanted to go and give my cookies away to someone else. Consider giving to someone who can never give you back. Consider giving of yourself with no expectation of receiving back. Try and outgive your husband, your wife, your brother, your sister of your love, of your affection, of your time. That's the spirit of Jesus. And I pray that our worship would be an act of sacrifice and that the giving that we do in whatever way we do it would actually be an act of worship. That we would have the heart of these foreigners to want to come and find out more about God. And the great thing is They started off with the little knowledge. They left with the true knowledge. They didn't have to go back to the vague because they had the tangible. The future God has for us, it's tangible. It's the reality that is moving forward and we have opportunity to be a part of it. We also have the choice to stand back and live in our past because we don't want to let go of who we are and of what we have. The choice is ours. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for giving of yourself to us, of being an example of giving us these examples in the pages of Scripture that help contrast what it really is to worship and the danger that is there if we will hold on to our past. Lord, I pray that you would reveal to us where we are that we would not delude ourselves or or fool ourselves and think, well, because we're here, we're, we're close, we're in church, we know the scriptures, that we are close to you. We can have all the information 
and be further away from you than that stranger who's in a different country, who has never heard the name Jesus, but hears your voice and your call, and you speak to them in their language. And here we've grown up in church, read the Bible, know it, but we are not living a life of worship. Lord, what you desire is truth in the inward parts, and you are ever at work within us to pull us to yourself because you are creating a future and you are inviting us to be a part of what you are doing. Lord, may your generous spirit be seen in us. Lord, we thank you. We praise you for your goodness. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.